Senate Republicans vote down further military aid for Ukraine. So how will that impact Ukraine's fight against Russia? Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. Later today, Senate Republicans are going to deny cloture on a bill that fails to address America's top national security priorities in a serious way. And the Army will receive a new high-altitude spying program in fiscal year 2025. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Simone Perez. Today is December 7th, 2023. First, a quick question for our listeners. Have you retired from the federal government recently? Or are you thinking about doing so? Tell us about your experience in public service, your advice for the next generation, or issues you ran into. Our sister publication, Federal Times, is running an anonymous reader survey. You can find it at www.federaltimes.com. Now back to the show. First up, the U.S. announced it is sending a new $175 million package of military aid to Ukraine. This round comes as Congress has stalled on legislation to provide further new funding for the embattled country. Senate Republicans blocked efforts on Wednesday evening to begin debating a Ukraine supplemental after negotiations fell apart over Ukraine military aid and U.S.-Mexico border security. As we've said for weeks, legislation that doesn't include policy changes to secure our borders will not pass the Senate. The situation unfolding at our southern border on President Biden's watch is a crisis of historic proportions. This all came less than 24 hours after Republican lawmakers left a classified intelligence briefing annoyed over the Ukraine supplemental and their frustration with what they call Democrats' unwillingness to negotiate border security terms to get the funding. Defense News Capitol Hill reporter Brian Harris joined the podcast yesterday to break down just where negotiations stood early Wednesday evening. So, Brian, some Republicans were flustered or annoyed after a classified briefing on Tuesday night with how negotiations are happening for a Ukraine supplemental. Senator Romney, just to name one, expressed his frustration. Yesterday, over 10,000 people came into this country. Today, another 10,000. This is a rate of 3.7 million a year. We have to stop that. But Chuck Schumer says, well, we can't negotiate. It's like, guys, that has to be done or there's not going to be help for Ukraine and Israel. We want to help Ukraine and Israel, but we've got to have the Democrats recognize that the trade here, the deal is we stop the open border. They don't want to do that. So Republicans are just walking out of the briefing because the people there are not willing to actually discuss what it takes to get a deal done. But Majority Leader Chuck Schumer disagreed with that characterization, even saying one senator yelled at a general. So, Brian, what were these lawmakers' complaints? So the briefing was about the supplemental assistance package to Ukraine and Israel. As we've discussed before, Leader McConnell and Senate Republicans have been more forward-leaning on Ukraine aid. They support it. They support Israel aid. They have said they want this package done, which put them in contrast to the House Republican caucus who had become more skeptical of Ukraine aid. But what we saw yesterday is the briefing kind of fell apart over immigration. So the supplemental includes funds President Biden requested for border security. But Senate Republicans have started to take more of a House line on immigration and are now demanding immigration policy changes that are not in the current supplemental 
environmental bill that Democrats released. And they'll actually be voting on that this afternoon. And McConnell, who again has been a proponent of Ukraine aid, you know, has said his caucus won't uh, vote for the procedural vote, which they need 60 votes on to make that happen without the immigration policy changes. So, you know, the Senate was supposed to be the easy part of getting the Ukraine aid passed. But now there are problems in the Senate. And, you know, the House, you still have the same problems you had before with Speaker Johnson, you know, insisting on the Freedom Caucus immigration bill in order to pass Ukraine aid. And a lot of House Republicans still skeptical of it. And so where do things stand as we speak on Wednesday night? Yeah, President Biden said that he is open to immigration policy changes. But even, you know, if you look at the current negotiations here on the Hill, what happened last week was Democrats had already agreed to negotiate on immigration policy changes with Republicans. They walked away uh, last Friday on this issue because Republicans weren't budging. And you basically have, I think you had Senator Corning go on the floor on Monday and say that, you know, we won't pass a supplemental without these exact demands. So it it kind of remains to be seen that President Biden's comments uh, open the room to resume negotiations. And if Republicans will, uh, Senate Republicans will budge. But again, this is just a Senate in the House. uh, Again, Speaker Johnson has said that if you do not put the Freedom Caucus immigration bill on there, which I would assume would be a complete non-starter for the White House and Democrats in Congress, yet we won't pass the Ukraine aid portion of the supplemental. And you have the Heritage Action, the um, lobbying arm of the Heritage Foundation, very influential conservative think tank that's also saying, don't pass Ukraine aid and also pass HR2, this um, House Freedom Caucus immigration bill. So it's looking like an uphill battle for the Ukraine aid portion of the supplemental at least. And of course, the Israel portion of the supplemental is also wrapped up in all this. But I think generally there's less concern about eventually getting the Israel supplemental passed. And a lot of the major Democratic concern right now is getting the Ukraine portion passed before the end of the year because they are, the administration is nearly out of funds to both keep arming Ukraine and to backfill our own stockpiles from stuff we've already sent them. What are proponents of a Ukraine supplemental saying, though, will happen if more aid doesn't get sent to Ukraine soon. Yeah, well, as we've seen, President Zelensky, the last time he was up here on Capitol Hill to brief senators, he told them if uh, if Ukraine does not receive any more foreign aid, they will lose the war against Russia. And as we know right now, the war has more or less atrophied into a stalemate. The counteroffensive this year wasn't very successful. And that has actually compounded some of the frustrations, at least on the House Republican side, with continuing to shell out this large amount in billions upon billions in Ukraine aid. But, you know, the flip side of that, uh, you know, if you take Zelensky's comments at face value, there is always a chance Russia could you know, break through the stalemate itself and march towards Kiev again, which is something that at least Senator Murphy, when I talked to him yesterday, expressed concerns that that may be a feasible scenario within the next year if we cut them off from U.S. military assistance. Thanks, Bryant. The new aid package announced yesterday will include high-mobility artillery rocket systems, anti-armor systems, and anti-radiation missiles.
In other news, a staff sergeant in the U.S. Air Force Reserve was arrested yesterday on felony charges related to the January 6, 2021 riot. Authorities said he pushed and grabbed police officers, calling one officer a, quote, traitor. Kyle Douglas McMahon, 41 of Texas, was taken into custody in Dallas. According to court documents, his Google search history after the riot included, quote, can I resign from the military if I do not want to serve an illegitimate president? And, quote, capital terrorists identified. The Air Force Reserve Command said McMahon is a reservist at Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base Fort Worth in Texas. He's in the 301st Fighter Wing Medical Squadron and a traditional reservist who is not actively participating in the unit. He faces felony charges of assaulting, resisting, or impeding officers and obstruction of law enforcement. There was no lawyer immediately named in the court docket. The voice mailbox was full for a number listed for McMahon. He is among roughly 1,200 people who have been charged with federal crimes stemming from the riot meant to stop President Joe Biden's election certification. Those charged include dozens of former and active-duty military or members of the reserve. Nearly 900 defendants pleaded guilty or were convicted by a jury or, or judge after trials. Over 700 of them have been sentenced, with roughly two-thirds receiving prison sentences ranging from three days to 22 years. Also on the radar for today, the Army is planning to develop a new program in fiscal year 2025 to create a new high-altitude spying platform. For more on this, Defense News Lamb Warfare reporter Jen Judson joins the episode today. So Jen, what is the spying program that the Army is hoping to have for FY 2025? Uh, so the Army has been experimenting with a wide variety of what we call high-altitude platforms that can fly in the stratosphere. So that's like 60,000 to 100,000 feet uh, above the earth. And uh, some of those could be balloons or uh, fixed wing solar platforms that can stay aloft for months at a time, if not much, much longer. So some of those, those technologies are exquisite and some of them are you know things that could fit in a backpack, for instance, that a small unit could now, uh, you know, have a capability that right now for us is quite expensive if you talk about like satellite imaging, for instance. So this new high, high altitude platform capability would be focused specifically on payloads that would get after what they call deep sensing. And that's just, you know, what it sounds like, The obviously the ability to conduct intelligence surveillance reconnaissance operations at wider ranges and greater distances. And, you know, that's important because it, it buys reaction time to respond to potential threats, for instance. Um, it allows uh, units in, on the ground to be able to get information without getting particularly close to areas where it might be dangerous for them to go in. So, you know, the better standoff you can get with increased uh, knowledge of, of what you're trying to, to look at from far distances is something that the Army definitely wants to have. This is really showing that they're going to start putting real money into a program that would get after this capability. And why is FY 2025 the year the Army is hoping to have this? Is it following a specific schedule or is it because of threats from China, et cetera? So I think FY 2025 is just kind of keeping pace with where the Army's been in terms of being able to try out new technology. Technology is getting better um, in smaller platforms, for instance, like, you know, really exquisite payloads that can see very far distances, sensors that can do that. Previously required, I think, 
just, you know, think about it. It's just bigger. And now as technology uh, progresses, you can get that capability on smaller platforms so it could fit on some of these capabilities that can that can go up into the stratosphere, like onto a balloon, for instance, or a very lightweight fixed-wing aircraft, as opposed to, you know, previously the technology might not have just been ready for that. So, you know, as size, size weight, and power has advanced and sensors have become more efficient, um, it's just kind of the right time to, to move forward with this. And, you know, of course, these are the types of capabilities that would be really great for some of the newer units that the Army's creating, like the multi-domain operation task force units that have been stood up both in uh, the Pacific and in Europe. The European multi-domain uh, operations task force has actually exercised a capability with a high altitude balloon several years ago, and they did that in order to enable uh, targeting at beyond line of sight distances. Um, so it actually, the balloon was actually able to, with a sensor on it, able to help aid targeting um, of a, in a live fire exercise there. And now here are some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. Today, as we recognize Pearl Harbor Remembrance Day, memorials will be held across the country. The December 7, 1941 attack on Pearl Harbor was a surprise military strike by Japan, where more than 2,400 U.S. personnel were killed. It resulted in the United States entering World War II. The Justice Department announced yesterday it charged four Russian soldiers with war crimes in connection with the invasion of Ukraine. The charges include torture, inhuman treatment, and unlawful confinement of a U.S. national. This week, Sweden signed a defense cooperation agreement with Washington. It will allow the U.S. access to all the military bases across the Scandinavian country, which is on the brink of joining NATO. And Reuters reported that sexual assaults in the Canadian military reportedly rose significantly in 2022 compared to 2018. And on this day in history in 1972, in the final flight of the Apollo program, Apollo 17 astronauts launched from Cape Canaveral on a Saturn V rocket. Eugene Cernan and Harrison Schmidt were the last humans to walk on the moon. Cernan and the third crew member, Ronald Evans, were both naval aviators before they became astronauts. That's it for us this morning. To get more top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com EBB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at Defense underscore News and at Military Times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted and produced by me, Zimone Z. Perez. Today's episode featured stories by Brian Harris, The Associated Press, and Jen Judson. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Bruce. Have a great day.